Thanks for tuning in to the Replatform podcast sponsored by Amplins and Clavio. You're listening to myself, James Gerd, today. My co-host, Paul Rogers, is deep in integration work, uh, or he's pretending to be. So thanks to our regular listeners for tuning back in. We do appreciate it. And a warm welcome if this is your first uh, episode. We hope you like it. Do subscribe to get new episode alerts. Uh, we drop one every week. And we would love a like and rating on YouTube, Spotify or Apple to make us feel nice and warm inside. Thank you. So let me set up today's um, episode and then I'll introduce you to our guest. So the topic is universal shopping baskets and order management for omnichannel retail with Merco and Fluent Commerce. Um, so the pretext of it is this, is delivering a seamless cross-channel experience is a strategic imperative for omnichannel retailers, but operational complexity makes it hard or often really expensive or, or too difficult to achieve usually due to challenges integrating disparate tech. Today, we're focusing on universal shopping basket and OMS, one element of the full omnichannel stack, looking at how it works and why it's needed. So we're going to cover Merco Influence market offering the customer need, what the universal basket solution is, how it links into the order management flows, cost models, etc. So um, let's start with a, a very warm welcome to Sean from uh, Merco. How are you, Sean? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Um, yeah, my name's Sean Britton. Uh, I'm VP Sales at Maco. Um, been with um, with the organisation for just over a year now. Um, prior to uh, to me joining Maco, I, I have spent um, probably fifteen plus years in in the broader um, technology um, landscape as it relates to retail. Um, so uh, yeah, no, looking forward to our conversation this morning. Excellent. Thanks. All right, Sean. Uh, good to speak to you as well. And uh, Jamie from uh, Fluent Commerce, would you like to introduce yourself and Fluent, please? Yeah, thanks, James. Thanks for having me. Um, my name is Jamie Cairns. I'm the Chief Strategy Officer at Fluent Commerce. Um, we are a global order management system provider. We are headquartered in Australia, but we're, we've got offices throughout the world. Um, my my role and background, uh, I look at the kind of strategic direction of the business. I work very closely with our product team in, in product market fit and where we can enter into new markets and partnerships that we take uh, very seriously. Uh, I ran sales for a while and, and set up our channel and alliance business. Uh, like Sean, I've had um, probably longer than I would care to think about in tech, um, in e-commerce platforms, search and merchandising, um, core retail applications like demand planning and forecasting. Excellent. Thanks. So really, really glad to have you on. And thanks for joining us um, all the way over on the other side of the world in Australia. Uh, our, tra- our international podcast travels continue. Um, so we've got, we got a cracking episode. So I'm going I'm to kind of split up the questions to uh, alternate between the two of you. Um, but let's start, Jamie, let's start with you. Um, I know you've, there's been a, a big recent um, strategic announcement to the market. What brought Moco and Fluent together in the first? What was the customer need and what's the value proposition? Yeah, that's that's a great question, right? So, first of all, what what is an order management system? And um, Sean will tell you a lot about Universal Basket and, and in store. But what's an order management system? I think the first kind of myth to debunk is that it's all about orders. Um, it's actually predominantly about inventory and inventory availability. So most of our clients see a large number of potential sources for inventory. They may be in their warehouses in their stores, and we'll talk a lot about stores today, I would imagine, in their partners, they might drop ship products that aren't held as inventory, they might manufacture products on demand and so forth. So it gets complicated with this wide range of sources of inventory. And then on the other side of the equation, on the customer side, there's a range of different demand sources, websites, stores themselves, 
kiosks. And as we reimagine the store experience, one of the critical aspects of being able to deliver a fantastic store experience, and, and I won't talk over Sean's um, value proposition there too much, but um, the visibility of availability of inventory when you're doing endless aisle when you're crossing channels such as starting online putting something in a wish list checking out in store picking up in store buying online picking up in store returning in store of an online order and so forth um hopefully i'm kind of painting that picture that can get quite complicated so an order management system itself is designed to present availability of inventory and then be able to create fulfillment promises which can be uh faithfully upheld by by retailers so so why did um why did Fluent and Maco come together uh we're very focused on order and inventory management and um, there are a range of other applications around order and inventory management which are very important commerce platforms um in-store applications and so forth so 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 we stick to our knitting in presenting availability of inventory and we act as an enabler to folks like Maco who create fantastic in-store experiences for staff and customers alike. So the reason we come together is we, we philosophically believe in a composable approach to commerce. Um, we don't think that trying to do everything kind of okay is is the way for enterprise class retailers today so uh, we're founding members of the mark alliance we really um, philosophically believe in that composable approach to commerce so um maco and fluent sit together really nicely there's, there's no overlap in our capability um it truly is a value add on top of the order management system cool yeah and i'd, I'd, I'd just add add to that um you know from from a maco perspective i think you know we, we provide an in-store digital platform, um, you know, broadly. Um, and we kind of view that in, in three kind of discrete layers, if you will, one being customer experience, um, universal basket that we'll talk about in more detail today and check out are those three layers effectively. And, and in order to, to be able to, you know, and, and, and then let me kind of share what we, what we are absolutely not. Um, and, and we are absolutely not an order management platform. We're not a CRM or a CDP. You know, we 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 seek to find the 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 single point of truth um, for all the data required from an in-store execution point of view, from the broader technology stack, and 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 OMS in our view is a is is an absolutely critical part of of that of that technology stack to be able to support what what we talk about as next generation um, in-store technology or next generation POS um, that that doesn't silo data in any way shape or form um and as jamie said you know that that whole available to promise inventory capability that 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 order management provides for us um as that single point of truth it is critical to delivering the customer experience aspiration that that, that the retail brands are looking to deliver for their customers um and and this whole kind of you know ship to store for collection um, is uh, is a, is a smoke and mirrors, right? And 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 what Fluent supports is, is that real time inventory availability for click and collect today in real time, um, and and we provide the in store UI to to allow both the customer to facilitate that themselves, or indeed the sales associate to support the customer to facilitate that. So it's you kind of a match made in heaven, really, with with very little uh, crossover, as Jamie said, in terms of functional capability. Um, so let's get a bit more practical about the universal basket then, Sean, because I know it's a new addition in 2022. So can you, some people will understand the premise, others will be new to, to it and thinking, well, why do I need it? So what is it and what are the key features uh, that benefit retailers? 
So uh, holistically, you know, the, the the universal basket, universal car, you know, it's been defined and described as, as a number of different things over over the years, it has always been kind of this utopian place where retailers have wanted to get to, where where the the, the seamless customer journey can genuinely be delivered because that the the basket persists and and it persists not only in in store but it persists across channels as well and and what the maco platform has done is is found um and and devised a way to be able because we are a platform to be able to support that universal basket within our own technology space within the store so you know the journey could start in the fitting room from a customer experience point of view. Um, they can scan product in the fitting room. They can add that to basket. That basket then is available to any other UI across our platform. So the the customer then can exit the the fitting room and and check out with the sales associate that stood outside the door. Um, you know more broadly than that, what what we've also done with with some dependencies which we'll go on to talk about from a tech stack point of view um one being inv- inventory and order management but um but more broadly than that we we can support the persistence of that basket across channels so all of a sudden now the the ropo journeys that 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 people have been talking about um you know for for some time where customers are researching online and purchasing offline or or of course vice versa researching online and purchasing offline those those journeys now can can actually be genuinely supported from a technology point of view where where technology is the facilitator and the enabler as Jamie suggested earlier rather than the barrier um to preventing those things that you know happening and 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 there being kind of a, a sticky plasters and glue approach to 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 the back end system need around um delivering omni uh, omni channel universal baskets and i think that that's the 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 solve that we 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 we've created if you will and and devised is you know we we own the platform in store so allowing the basket to persist in store is straightforward for us um not not all vendors are in the same situation as that but for us that's straightforward because it's a platform with multiple uis so it's the same effectively back end um, but then more broadly than that, um, as I say, with, with a few dependencies, we we can support that 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 cross-channel um universal basket, which is you know the, the, this utopian place that retailers have been looking to get to for for many years. Um and, and the industry's talked about it for many years. And 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 you know, our view is we we've gone an awful long way to solving that um in uh, in in the new world. Um and how in practice does it work alongside eco? So you you've got your technology sits in store, but obviously you talk about multiple channels. Somebody will have an you know retail has an existing e-commerce system. People go and access online. So how does it work for the shopper if they if they create a basket in store, for example, but then they're shopping on the e-commerce store in the evening or the next day? How does that link up with the the e-commerce system work? So that so the the best way to kind of you know think about. Um, the 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 persistence across channels from a universal basket point of view is is in in the in the term of wish list um and essentially providing the 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 e-commerce platform supports wish list um then those wish lists can begin in store be saved in store and be available online via the customer's account um and similarly the reverse can can occur and and we would view for example an abandoned basket as a wish list essentially speaking so providing again that the e-commerce platform can if you know convert that abandoned basket into a wish list labeled abandoned basket with a date um then again we can retrieve that 
um, that abandoned basket in the store the next time the customer visits and 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 being far more informed from a sales associate engagement point of view um, as the customer uh, visits in the store. And, and you know, for those organizations that, that that have kind of sort of different categories within their stores, perhaps, you know, in, in a fashion environment, it might be, you know, um, you know, events or, or you know, uh, you know, the, the, the kind of, you know, they, they might have, they might have a wish list for gifts that they're looking to purchase for, you know, for family for Christmas. They might have their own wish list of, of things that they want and need. Um, they could have, you know, in a, in a department store, it could be, you know, a list for the kitchen, a list for the bathroom, you know, all of those things. And, and we can retrieve those. And when, when we support, you know, an unlimited number of baskets um, from a from a saved basket point of view or a wish list point of view, and we can retrieve any of them that are relevant at any point in time across any of our UIs in store. And again, providing that the e-commerce platform supports, you know, multiple wish lists, then, then the customer can do exactly the same themselves online. Cool. So I, th- I guess the key point people understand is that this is not overriding an existing basket. It's creating additional lists which can be converted into baskets via the customer. Uh, and then, therefore, just for clarity for people, the payment mechanism, it um, aligns with our existing um, payment gateways because it's passed through the e-commerce system. Yeah, absolutely. So from an e-com point of view, if, if the if the journey is you know research offline and purchase online, um, then that basket is checked out in the same way as any other basket would be checked out in through that through their commerce platform online, um, with the order then obviously being pushed through into into IMS for for orchestration and and um, logistics. Um, from a store point of view, you know uh, there are a number of ways that we can support. So from a from a Maco platform point of view, if you consider the checkout capability that we have, we can support traditional ped. Um, you know, transactions, we can support cash transactions. Um, but equally, we can support buy now pay later options, we can support digital wallets and 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 some of the next generation payment methods that we're seeing beginning to be talked about in this space um, are definitely something that we we support as well more broadly than you know, WeChat Pay, AliChat Pay, all, all of those kind of things are options to the retailer, depending on how they want to configure that in the store. Um, but equally, you know, w- one of the convergences that we're seeing more broadly um, outside of perhaps inventory and customer from a um, from an online and offline point of view is, is around checkout and payment. You know, being able to leverage the the online checkout from store, which we can support equally, um, and and some of the online or previously only online payment methods, um, supporting those in store. So the so the BMPLs, the Amazon Pays, those types of things, we can support in store. Provide if, if that's what the, the the retailer wants to facilitate for the customer. Our view is we we need to make checkout as frictionless as possible, regardless of whether that's online or offline, and remove barrier. And that's exactly the approach that we take. Cool. And uh, Jamie, we, we talked about this prior to, to today about there aren't many platforms that, that have the end-to-end um, commerce order management piece. Some do. I, I know the Proximus in France has it and they've got a universal basket. So what would be really useful for people to hear is the, the Merco and Fluent working together. What type of customer are you focused on and why? Yeah, th- thanks, James. The majority of our customers um are, are reaching a reasonably advanced stage of maturity in not only their digital but their omni-channel journey. So they're probably not having a go at managing orders from multiple 
sources and fulfilled from multiple locations for the first time. Um, five years ago, a lot of folks were doing it for the first time, but really now where, where we're engaged is where um, folks are really looking to optimize. So I think that the new generation of order management approaches is about optimizing fulfillment, optimizing the use of inventory, as opposed to doing basic plumbing, which it, it quite often was in the past or, or more um, uh, deeply into the supply chain. So the types of customers that we're looking at typically at the enterprise scale or the upper mid-market scale, um, they use uh, a combination of best-in-class components because it's not about just optimizing their omni-channel. It's about optimizing each individual aspect of it. They probably plateaued on how much can be extracted from an all-in-one platform. A lot of our Customers will have chosen one at some point during their development. So, yes, there absolutely are great platforms out there that are all in one for a certain type of customer. And, and we, we've made a deliberate decision to, to really focus on developing a software as a service platform for the more enterprise scale, but also the more sophisticated. So, um, we typically work alongside commerce platforms such as I'll try and do them in alphabetical order so I show no preference. Um, <laughs> Adobe Commerce, Big Commerce, Commerce Tools, um, Salesforce, SAP Commerce Cloud. So they would they would take up probably 95% of our clients. We're using one of those platforms. Obviously, within the Mark Alliance, Big Commerce and Commerce Tools are most prevalent. We're a premier partner with Adobe um, and, and likewise with SAP. So um, the more enterprise, those who have um, a sophisticated architecture, typically, those that have reached the limits of, of an all-in-one platform. And I, I, I'm, I'm really... I, I'm really challenged by the the future. Actually, I mean, it's a bit controversial because there's a lot of different uh, approaches to life. But I, I think those that are jack of all trades are really going to get caught in the middle. Where Shopify at the um, at the all in one end has a fantastic offering, notwithstanding its battles with Amazon and so forth. Um, and then the composable approach at the other end of the scale. I'm I'm yet to see how the, that kind of middle ground shakes out for the likes of Proximus and Kibo and, and others, right? They and VTEX. They've they've got a bunch of, of good opportunities. Um, I'm not quite sure if I see where it's going at this point, though, James. Um, well, the future, if, if any of us could accurately predict exactly where the technology landscape is going, we'd have uh, <laughs> cash in on the uh, on the startups. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I think the, the, the composable, the approach of best in class of individual te uh, individual technologies takes a mindset shift and a cultural shift in a business. And not all businesses want, some businesses are still very traditional and they like a single supplier, single negotiation, but it has different pros and cons so yeah i'm with you some some clients i work with the the modular approach is exactly what they want they want best in class and they want to be able to plug and play so that if a relationship isn't right in two three years the impact of of, of um, retiring that system is not so so heavily felt operationally yeah i think that's right and it's incumbent on software vendors systems integrators consultancies to do the right thing by our, our customers. We're not trying to shove a composable approach down an organization that's not mature enough to be able to accommodate it. And that doesn't have to be an elitist kind of a view because it doesn't mean you have to have a thousand developers. But it, I think your point's right. It's a mindset or it's an approach um, that's really important. So it's, it's, we, we've got to make sure that we're 
um, not just from a sales point of view, qualifying opportunities, but actually making sure that we can be good partners to our customers, that we really truly are delivering what they want as opposed to just trying to sell them something. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I also think you're coming back to some of the comments you made earlier, Sean, about the UI. It's um, it's how much control do you have? Because some of the capabilities in legacy platforms with the logic constraints mean that, for example, the, the shopping basket in store becomes a very functional basket, but it has limitations on what flows you can have, what payment methods are supported, how those payment methods work, what the experience is to the customer. So a lot of the time, I think, where you say exhausting that, that cap- existing capability is when it comes to compromising customer experience. Yeah, exactly, and and yeah, you know, and that, and that's our heritage at Maco. Frankly, is is customer experience, and as you mentioned earlier, the universal basket and checkout from a store point of view are relatively new additions to the fold from that perspective. So. So we we take a, a you know a slightly different view, and I you know from you know the the points that Jamie was making earlier on as well. I think one one of the things that that, that we're seeing is is people, you know, e- even if they're then not quite ready, you know, perhaps from a technology stack point of view, aspirationally the direction of travel is is composable because um, because they've experienced vendor lock. And and that's something that they want to avoid um, because that's costly. Ordinarily, that's costly. So you know, again, we're we're seeing you know a, a you know a value that that it isn't necessarily a solution value that, that that's derived, but it's actually an architectural value that's derived. And I think that that's that's something that even you know over time, you know, certainly in the last twelve months or so, has shifted quite significantly. I think. Um, in, in terms of that that move away from you know the the you know the all in one um in, in into a more composable approach and I, and I think the you know the advances of technology allows us to take that composable approach in a you know I I, I remember and I'm sure Jamie does too that you know we, we, we've talked about you know a best in class versus end to end for you know decades right but the, the the real difference now is that, that the composable nature of of technology and and the ability to plug and play has actually allowed for that to be you know something that derives value rather than attaches cost uh, and i think that that that's got that's one of the game changers in terms of kind of the, the the way forward but yeah i think you know from a store point of view you know we're 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 delivering against the customer experience aspiration and, and we start to, to do our kind of solution design, if you will, um, not from an architectural point of view, but from a, well, what does the customer experience look like? What where, what it is it in the store that you want to deliver for your customers so that they engage with your brand in the way that they want to? So let, let's take technology out of the equation because our, our view is technology should be a facilitator and not a barrier. Um, and historically, th- those kind of transactional pos- um, solutions that you that you mentioned, um, James, there, you know, they are or they were a, a barrier to delivering customer service excellence um, because they weren't designed to do anything other than take transactions. Um, whereas I think the world is now a different place, and and you know brands and retailers realise that that it's that it's the differentiation between customer experience that that will that will you know give them competitive advantage, and 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 that's and those are the conversations that that we believe are happening at, at kind of you know high level within organisations. It's it, it isn't I want Maco. It isn't I want fluent commerce necessarily, but it is I want a genuine, joined up, unified, cross-channel, omni-channel customer experience um, that that meets the expectations that that, that their customers have, and uh, and I think that 
That's where the difference lies. What is Ampliance? In a word, it's freedom. The freedom to build a digital experience as limitless as your vision. Create, preview, schedule and manage all your content in one easy place. Find out more at Ampliance.com. Ampliance. Experience freedom. So let's um, let's talk us on the practicality because I know I know that often people are, are sold the dream of omnichannel and unified experience, but there there's always challenges of getting it up and running. So the universal shopping basket indicates like single customer and elements of the single customer view because we've got identified customer across channels. What technical requirements does a retailer need to satisfy for you to be able to implement this solution in their business? So the, the 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 only real dependency that 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 we have is the the ability for e-commerce to support at least one, preferably multiple wish lists. Um, outside of that, yes, we would expect CRM to be in play in terms of one of the, one one of the backend systems. But but by virtue of the nature of the way that we've architected our solution with a with with our own integration layer. Um, we we can support kind of a hybrid um, tech stack uh, approach where where some of the data that we require is driven by services, and some of the data is driven by feeds that we actually join up. So providing, you know, that 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 they have a, a the ability or a unique ID for the customer. If if the customer is siloed in in you know by channel effectively, then then that doesn't concern us overly because we can join those dots together um, in our own integration layer and present back to the sales associate then the the entire customer profile cross channel omni channel profile. Um, so we're we're not limited by multiple data sets in that in that way, providing we can join the data up, of course. Um, and similarly for product, you know, if, if product information sits in in multiple different um, repositories. That's fine as long as as long as there's a common identifier for you know from from an ID point of view. And a link question, and this use case comes up. It's an it's an edge one, but it is an important one. Uh, install sales assistant has a customer. They want to create a basket. Um, they want to create you know a, a, you you push it into wish list, but that customer doesn't exist yet in the commerce database because they've not registered. What 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 process do you have for handling handling that so that that person can then still go and access it when they log in online? So we create new new customer from um, from from the Maco application and the and the, and the Maco platform um, that creates a customer in real time um, in the CRM or CDP that that the um, that the retailer has. So when we post the basket, that customer already exists. So it's just, it's just a question of um, making sure that the the sequence of um, of service calls that are made and and creations that are made are, are done in the right order. Cool. Um, the benefit of an integration layer <laughs> alongside the UI. Um, Jamie, let's switch back to you around some of the order management stuff. So, uh, you know, the, the, the front end of the UI bit is obviously important for customer experience, but operationally is normally where things fall down um, with stock and inventory management. I think a lot of businesses can relate to this about getting accurate stock files. So how do you um, technically work with retailers to ensure you have accurate stock data across all the different stock files they're holding? We just have the the fluent silver bullet to solve accurate stock. Um, <laughs> I, I was interested actually by when Sean was describing before. You know the advantages that we have being modern cloud based platforms is that we can take advantage of the developments in technology that uh, the likes of AWS, Google Google Cloud, Azure, and others have developed, and. 
there is no kind of magic answer to ensuring stock is accurate. What what we have to be able to do, and and the reason I opened with order management kind of being an inventory management um, use case to start with, is we'll unify a view of inventory from all of the locations. Now, one of the ways that we've been able to take advantage of some of the advances in cloud computing is that um, historically one of the reasons for being out of uh, out of sync on uh, a view of inventory is that ERPs aren't a very good source. They're typically batch-based. They don't um, make that data available in real time. Um, so we can we can bypass that the ERP. We get data from the point of sale system. So we um, have created um, an inventory streaming mechanism that allows us to receive updates as frequently as they happen. So if events happen uh, one by one, something's decremented in a store, we'll see an update. So um, our job is to keep that view as real time as possible. Now, um, the worst possible scenario is overselling. Um, I think you've spent a lot of money on acquiring a customer. You've taken them through a great experience. You've got the right product, the right price. You converted them, and then it turns out what you actually thought was there wasn't there. So we do have to be able to have our clients put safeguards in place to prevent prevent that. There's some automation in place. So if, if um, uh, we see issues with fulfillment, then we'll automatically exclude that from a particular location. So um, essentially what we, what we do, take a very large data set of updates in real time to be able to unify and then segment views of that inventory across various different systems. So if I'm ordering from a store, it's not in stock there, but I know it's in another store, we can give you a very accurate available promise. And how about um, back orders and pre-orders? What, what capabilities do you have baked in to support those processes? Yeah, both of those are native to us so that they're an, they're an inventory status essentially within the platform. So I can have... Um, uh, even more complex than that. So a lot of some of our customers do manufactured on-demand products um, or assembled products from kits. Uh, so I might be uh, buying a bike. It's actually 26 different components or have many components. So I need to know the inventory status of all of those different components within um, the, the order. So ha having a uh, having a, an order hierarchy and an inventory status for all the individual components is is important. So knowing knowing what I've got coming, I mean, we, we're still reliant on data. So knowing when I have items that are going to come back into stock um, if I'm back ordering so that I'm still able to promise. It's not just a back order and then it will happen on the never-never. Um, and, and the same with uh, with pre-order. We see a lot of um, uh, really interesting order management use cases around pre-order limited edition products. You know, uh, you know, one of our clients, Pokemon, probably has the highest spike in demand for a, a limited edition product um, that, that you could imagine. Um, sneaker releases, for example, um, high degrees of contention where inventory accuracy is extremely important, certainty around delivery, and customer loyalty in these types of environments tends to be incredibly important. So, very passionate buyers needing to be really, really accurate on pre-order. So um, I would say that not only do we support it, um, I think it's probably one of the most valuable use cases that we deliver, actually. But it's often an afterthought, but um, our, our customers don't think so. I imagine the volume of demand for a limited edition Pokemon must be off the scale. Um, impossible with the old world, right? Is You could not pre-provision enough infrastructure for your on-premise commerce and 
order management system to be able to cost effectively do that. Um, that that's where you know cloud platforms really come into their own to be able to massively peak, massively scale to handle peaks like that. Um, and of course, the software on top of it's got to work well. So, Sean, are there any limitations to the type of product that you're, the Universal Basket Solution supports? Because yeah, you've got simple products, configurable. You've got the the modular products that that Jamie's just talked about. You've got digital products, subscription products. You've got mixed baskets with back orders and and in stock. So, is there anything that can't be supported from a product type point of view? Uh, so, so the short answer is no. And and this is one of the questions that I I I love to answer with eloquence because um, the answer is simply there is no limitation. So, pro- providing. There's no limitation from a Maco perspective, and 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 I'll, I'll I'll kind of take us back to a comment I made earlier on in terms of single point of truth in the in the tech stack from a retail point of view. So providing order management supports those complex products that that you mentioned um, earlier in terms of subscription products, digital products, you know m- maybe you know you know items that you know the the store wants to manage you know items that aren't for sale so bags and and other inventory that that type of thing so from from our perspective it you know providing that the the order management understands and and knows how that product works we surface back to either the sales associate or the customer depending on the ui the excuse me the options that are available from a um you know from a delivery promise point of view and indeed from an inventory available to promise perspective in terms of um location so if they want to pick up today where can they pick up today if they want it shipped to home you know what's the delivery promise what's the soonest they can get it and again we we leverage order management for that um and and from a complex or mixed basket perspective we can support you know the the again that kind of dream position if you will that that many retailers are wanting to get to where where you know over the counter transactions a, along with an endless aisle transaction along with a collection from another location transaction along with a you know collector click and collect that i i ordered this morning from that store location and by the way i've got two returns that i want to process um you know can we do that and support that in a single transaction to the customer absolutely why because it's the right thing to do from a customer experience perspective we don't want four transactions just because it's for actually four different systems of execution that are, that are that are creating you know those orders in into oms or whatever and and this is the beauty of having a single platform that supports you know the 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 technology needs from a, from an in-store point of view is that you know you 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 can you can you know the customer can create we can hand off the the, the sales associate can create we can hand off but essentially speaking the customer you know the the visit is as, as complex as is needed to be yeah. um so i've got a, a question for both of you which is around in, typical integration timelines and costs so sean let's start with you Let's start on the the front office stuff, the the universal basket, and then we'll go and look at the uh, the order management. And I appreciate when we get to you, Jamie. Order management does depend on operational complexity, but um, yes. <laughs> let, let's start with the starting point. Like what what? Let's look at a simple project. One simple project that you've implemented. What's the kind of baseline in terms of integration timelines for you, Sean, of getting a universal uh, basket solution up and running for in store um, teams? So we we would. We we would and, and again you know it, it is a bit of how long is a piece of string but without understanding the 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 the, the, the notion and 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 detail from a complexity point of view but um, but generally speaking we we would talk about kind of a, a six to sixteen week kind of timeline um, so uh, that that would be common um, the the anything going beyond that 
is probably because there's development required on the customer side from an endpoint point of view, from an integration endpoint perspective. Um, but yeah, we, we could certainly deliver. You know, we, we've delivered a you know a, a project as, in in as little as two weeks um, from you know kickoff to go live. Um, fairly basic use cases, I would I would add from that perspective. Um, and you know, a typical kind of end-to-end POS capability, in-store technology capability, would be in the twelve to sixteen-week range. And when you say typical POS, what what's that? What are you providing in that typical POS solution for the customer? So th- those three layers that I mentioned earlier on, it, it's customer experience, and and that can be defined in in any number of different ways, depending on the nature of the service that that the retailer um, you know delivers themselves. You know, clienteling is is something within our you know, within our portfolio for sure. Um, but clienteling isn't right for every retailer. Um, similarly, self-serve checkout is is not going to be right for every retailer because of the nature of the the you know the the way they wish to engage with their customers. So so we build that customer experience um up and, and you could kind of view it as Lego, if you will, um, digital Lego, kind of pieces put the pieces together to meet the customer experience expectation. Um, we then deliver basket and checkout uh, at, from a POS point of view. Um, so that supports, you know, multiple payment methods, gift cards, you know, refunds, exchanges, returns. Um, we support cash management, of course. Um, so th- that's our kind of definition of, of point of sale, if you will. Um, we, uh, I, I'm, I'm not overly, I don't know what your view is, Jamie, but I'm, I'm not overly comfortable with the, with the term point of sale anymore. I, 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 I challenge myself if that's the right terminology for what we do. Um, you know, I, I think we, we've kind of followed convention to an extent. Um, I, I think as um, as vendors like ourselves gain more traction, I, I think we will probably end up having it relabeled as a different category than POS. On point of experience, we start it today. A POE, yeah, maybe, maybe that's the right. We'll, we'll, we'll assign that that uh, to you in terms of uh, in, in terms yeah. of, sort of it would, uh, it would have to be POX because everyone loves to change experience to X, don't they? For some, yeah. I'm not Unknown sure Pox reason. is going to be overly friendly. Yeah, from, uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we'll bring you the Pox to your store. Yes. Brilliant. Um, Mate, I've uh, given you free free branding rights on that. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Pox, I'm, I'm not sure that I'll get mar- that through marketing, but we'll we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm not in marketing, sure. Um, right. And Jamie, from your point of view, I, 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 know, I totally appreciate because you've got like a global store with, with uh, yeah, a global brand with hundreds of stores, different... Um, technologies in different locations it's going to be massively complicated if you took us what what is your approach I guess the better question is how from an older management point of view what is the approach and process uh, for integration with a retailer yeah similar to you're right there's there's a huge range and um, I'll I'll still try to give you you and your listeners a bit of a view of how we approach it and and what to expect right so um, there, there are no plug-in OMS projects. So let's let's be very clear about that. There's requirements gathering, there's a good amount of testing. Um, heart surgery's come a long way, but heart surgery is still heart surgery, right? Um, it's incredibly valuable to its recipient, but it's not to be taken lightly. So um, the way that we approach it is looking at what their, what their current limitations are. What use cases from a customer experience point of view are looking to be delivered and how can we take the minimum viable approach to delivering against those so that we get value delivered very quickly 
and then we can iterate on top of that. One one of the benefits, um, the other benefits, I guess, of, of modern um, cloud software is um, we were born in the cloud. We've been API first forever. Integration simplicity, I suppose, has been um, in our DNA from the start. We were early adopters for the more technical listeners of GraphQL, which greatly improves developer efficiency and integration. We have software development kits that allow our partners to build nice, simple, reusable integrations into the platform. So we try and reduce all of the non, um, non-value-adding work in a project. We try to simplify that as much as possible, and we think that's the responsibility of our product and engineering team rather than um, rather than it being out there and, and repeated regularly. So, so that, that's kind of philosophically how we've approached it. Um, within the platform, you know, we're talking about making inventory visible i'm um sorry sean but i, I i'm kind of um abstracted from and um less concerned with what the order taking interface is actually and and what that allows me to do is standardize the workflows within the order management platform and and by standardize that doesn't necessarily mean uh, restrict but to keep them as consistent as possible across the various different order taking channels because it, with consistency comes efficiency so if i can have a fulfill from store workflow that doesn't matter whether that order was placed on the commerce platform placed on a kiosk in store on a merco enabled device that's that's being handled by a um a staff member and, and so on i can reuse those workflows so i i try to keep it as standardized within order management as possible however there are multiple fulfillment workflows so it's typical that our customers will have multiple um on the outbound and then uh, same on on the inbound if they're handling returns in store um so the, the the long and the short of it is, you know, we we have um, we have customers that have gone live with an omni-channel experience in three months um, from from start to finish, and then we have others that are um, that are, tw- are twelve months. Uh, it's it's unusual to be at twelve months, but as you described earlier, if I've got thousands of stores across multiple continents and multiple websites, then then it does get complicated. But yeah, on average, um, our, our clients are launching in three to four months. Okay, cool. Well, I appreciate that. And it's always used to give people an idea of, because uh, I think sometimes people uh, get um, uh, overexcited about you know, integration seems simple because the requirements don't seem that onerous. But actually, it's the, you're right, it's the flows, mapping out the flows and the operational process is always a bit that takes time. Um, yeah, and, and we've tried to we tried to you know take the approach. Order management isn't something we we um, invented, right? There's been some um, players in the market for a long time. You know, IBM Sterling, Manhattan Associates, and so forth. And if we came and did it the same way they did it. I don't believe there's a market for us. So we've we've done it differently. We come with a lot more out of the box capability, so a lot more standard flows based on a ton of experience with a lot of clients so that you get started a lot further down the path than starting from scratch essentially so we'll try and minimize it as much as we can but to your point james it's um you know complex businesses uh introduce complexity into the software unfortunately yes yeah in, indeed um that's that's all the key question asked today so i really appreciate it sean jamie for joining us thank you for taking the time to share you know what this universal basket solution is uh, and what what the relationship between um Merco and fluent is um on the website for those those listening we'll have links out to to both um the sites but Jamie and Sean if anyone 
you know, it's got a question about, you know, they want to get in a bit more technical detail or they want to probe you on on what, what you mean by some of the things you've been explaining today. Who, who do they or how do they reach out? Uh, from my point of view, um, you know, they're, they're welcome to to come through the um, um but equally, um, I'm very visible on LinkedIn. Um, Sean Britton, B-R-I-T-T-O-N. Um, I'm I'm sure if they're connected with you, they'll 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 find me. Um, so uh, that's as easy way as uh, as any other. Yeah, and same for you, Jamie, or different? Uh, absolutely, LinkedIn's where it's at. So um, fluentcommerce.com or LinkedIn. Um, Fluent Commerce LinkedIn page also has a, a link to a ton of really interesting content, um, explainer videos, case studies, partner announcements. There's uh, there's a lot to see and, and learn from there. Um, but feel free to uh, to reach out directly. I'm I'm always up for a new connection. Cool. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. Hope it's been a useful episode. Uh, do keep an ear out for the next one. It lands every Tuesday. We'd love you to subscribe, and we'd also love a rate on Apple, Spotify, or YouTube. Until next week, everybody. For more information on this topic, head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts. To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, or my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.